Welcome to Trials in My Era, or Time Stories for short. My name is Natalie Hatayan. I'm the host and producer of Time Stories, and I'm very excited to be here with you. This week's essay is titled, The Boy Who Got Me to Join a Cult. It's read and written by its author, McKenna Moore. This story is full of surprises. And despite the fact that I've never joined a cult for a boy, I found it very relatable. I think a lot of people can in fact relate to this idea of making choices that you wouldn't normally make, all in the pursuit of being wanted. I certainly have done this. And as you listen to McKenna's story, I encourage you to think about times that you've lost yourself in an effort to feel desired. And how did you find your way back? McKenna does just that in her story, The Boy Who Got Me to Join a Cult. You're such an asshole. Those were the first words a boy I thought I loved said after our first kiss. It was our first kiss and my first kiss, but not his first kiss. He wanted more. He was upset that I wanted my first kiss to be a sweet peck and not a makeout. He had spit his gum out for this. In my memory, I walked away angrily, visibly upset that he dared ruin that moment with such a gruff insult. But I'd bet money I probably giggled and tried to be cute about the whole thing. We were sophomores in high school, and I'd wanted to kiss him since the first day I saw him in our language arts class freshman year. He was such a dick, and I loved that. He caught my eye because he made very clear to everyone in class that he was smarter than them, and he knew it. Obviously, as an adult, I can look back and see that that kid was just an insufferable prick. Not a misunderstood teenage intellectual, just a fucking prick. But at 14, you see a boy like this, and it changes your life. He wore a cross-country sweatshirt most days, so I reached out to a friend on the team for his details. After school, that friend introduced us, and thus began a four-year, very dramatic roller coaster of a teenage relationship. But with a twist. This dramatic roller coaster of a teenage relationship took place almost entirely within the confines of a New Age Christian cult called Xenos in Columbus, Ohio. In high school, I was chubby, taller than most of the boys, and a little too smart to relate to my peers. I was standoffish, too, after years of getting bullied. Believe it or not, this is not a recipe for tons of dating in my youth. Reed was the first boy to ever act like he liked me back. It was earth-shattering and all-encompassing. I don't use those words lightly. It was the most exciting thing that had ever happened to me up until that point. I could barely sleep. We texted all day long on our flip phones, passed notes, and slipped away from any classes we could to be together in the library. It had been a few weeks of this, but we hadn't discussed our feelings for each other. It was an intense friendship for now, but I had no doubt it would be something more. Homecoming was in a few days, and I had, of course, not been asked by anyone to go to the dance. Well, not really. I had been assigned a date to another school's homecoming because my best friend got asked by two guys and gave me her backup date. Designated ugly fat friend at your service. But then Reed texted me. He texted me the words I had dreamt of hearing forever. Do you want to go to HC on Sunday? My heart leapt out of my throat. Finally, someone liked me. Someone wanted to be seen out in public with me on their arm, all dressed up and dancing and laughing into the night. I started trying to figure out how I could possibly get a dress in time for homecoming by Saturday. Would my mom pay for it? Probably, she'd be excited a boy like me too. It hadn't been an easy road up until now. I tried to calm down and come up with a response that downplayed my excitement. Here's what I said. I wasn't planning on it, and I think it's on Saturday. Why, do you want to go? I waited with bated breath for his response. 
He answered, oh God, okay. I'm going to open it and I'm going to be chill about it. Oh, sorry, I'm at home church. It's on Sunday. Want to come with me? Womp womp. I slumped down in my chair. How fucking stupid are you to think that somebody actually wants to take you to homecoming? Be for real. But he still wants to hang out. What's home church? That's a weird name. But I don't have any other plans this weekend. And it's Reed, so I guess I'll go. My family had never been church people, but both of my grandmas were Christians, so my parents let me go. They were wary of dropping their child off at someone's house across town to read the Bible in a basement, but I was pretty enthusiastic, so they acquiesced. The first time you attend a cult meeting, there's a lot of love bombing. Everyone is so kind and welcoming, and you even get a formal welcome in the teaching. It's almost like they knew you were coming and exactly how to make you feel at home. They make it seem like there's been a U-shaped hole in this group for years. They make you feel like you finally have friends. This clearly isn't a regular church. The girls played ping pong and knitted while the boys wrestled outside before the lesson. Everyone, kids and leaders, cursed constantly, even during Bible study. They wear leggings and sweatpants to worship. They smoke grape-flavored cigarettes with college-age church leaders. They like good music and dress like hipsters, which, for the Gen Z crowd listening, that was very cool at the time. They know what they're doing. This group is manufactured to be appealing to nervous teens looking for a place to fit in. Later, I found out that there are pre-home church meetings to discuss the specifics of a new recruit's life so members know how to approach in a way that is most likely to get them to keep coming back. But listen, my cult experience was not all sinister. There are some really fucked up cults out there with no redeeming qualities, but Xenos wasn't one of them. That's part of what makes it so confusing. I met some really amazing service-minded people in this group who only wanted to do good in the world while worshiping their God. They believed in the depths of their soul that they were living life exactly as they should to create maximum good. The way I look at it, they're kind of like quote-unquote good cops. And yeah, I'm sure there are lots of great people on the force looking to do good in the world, but the way they've chosen to do that good is to participate in a system that oppresses and harms others. A system that prioritizes the property of the rich over the humanity of the poor. These good Christians meant really well, but they channeled that well-meaning into evangelism and mission trips in poor countries where they built shoddy hospitals and the staff actively evangelizes patients. It was performative and only contributed to the false notion that brown and black people need saved by white Christianity. I fought with leaders about the regressive teachings on the LGBTQ community, gender roles, and evangelism. So while I participated in this group for a little over three years, I was lucky that I wasn't completely blind to its flaws. Many were. Most were. And it was very clear that I was a problem child who needed to be dealt with by church leadership. At the high school levels of Xenos, you get a college-age discipler. This person is supposed to guide you spiritually, have one-on-one -on -one Bible studies with you, and help you navigate the church at large. Why a 21-year-old was ever considered qualified to teach me anything is beyond me, but at the time I accepted it. My discipler Nikki was one of the aforementioned good Christians. She was a really nice girl who believed she was doing the best thing she could for her community and her faith. Reed's discipler was named Scott, and his whole vibe never sat right with me. He was a bit older than the rest of the disciplers, and he and Reed had a bond that very often resulted in Reed receiving counsel to treat me badly. Scott was always telling Reed to separate himself from me, and Nikki and Scott often had conversations about our relationship too. That always struck me as odd. Why would these adults be meddling so heavily in relationships between children? And it wasn't just the disciples either. Everyone knew what was going on between Reed and me at any and all times. 
There's no privacy in a cult. Everyone had an opinion, and it felt like everyone but me had the power to make decisions about my relationship with my best friend and kind of boyfriend. A lot of the conversations, relayed back to me by just about everyone but Reed, Scott, or Nikki, revolved around my spiritual infancy and the need to curb temptation. All the boys in our home church group were told constantly to avoid porn and any other sexual temptation so they could remain close to God. I'd never been regarded as a sexual temptation before, so that was actually kind of cool. But it was weird, and they acted like I was the problem for being a temptation, not him for being tempted. I was never leading us into those conversations either. Reed, on the other hand, would send me texts like this. Morning, I had a dream last night that you had way bigger boobs and lost 50 pounds. Oh, okay, thanks for letting me know. I am the problem here. If I keep existing, he may keep having dreams about me being hotter, and we wouldn't want that to disrupt his relationship with God. I guess we just shouldn't see each other. The will-they-won't-they they went on for a few years until Reed started dating other people. I don't remember getting the heads up. I thought it was me or no one. Turns out it was anyone but me. This motherfucker got me into a cult with what I thought were promises of a happy and loving relationship. What I got instead was a lot of pain and abuse, and way too many hippie Christians all up in my business. I stuck around until my junior year, when two friends of mine in the church had sex and the leaders made us vote the girl out. A bunch of children gathered in a room to tell this young woman that she was wrong for doing one of the most natural things on earth. The community she turned to for love and acceptance had turned its back on her entirely. The boy she had sex with received no punishment at all. My best friend at the time and I were the only people in the room who didn't think she deserved to be kicked out. That was it for me. I had grown up enough to realize what a rancid group this was and how twisted the widely held views were. I couldn't fight it from the inside. I had to leave. Leaving meant none of the people in the group were supposed to talk to me anymore. The only people I've heard from since leaving are other people who left. I got a message a few years ago from one of Reed's best friends apologizing for how he participated in my awful treatment and that he's out now and building a better life for himself. That meant a lot. Since then, there has been mounting criticism of Xenos in the Columbus Dispatch and some national news outlets. In response, Xenos changed its name to the equally culty Dwell. There are still over 35,000 members. Most of the people I knew while I was in the group are still involved. They're either married, dedicated group leaders, or both. Reed's married with a child. I went to college out of state and have lived many lives since then. Right now, I'm in Brooklyn building my business, doing stand-up comedy, and hanging out with my amazing group of weirdo friends. We live lifestyles my former churchmates would find appalling. God and I aren't very close anymore. If you're listening to this and you're a member of Dwell, I hope you know there are a lot of other ways to have a great life with more privacy, less judgment, and an even stronger connection to your religion or spirituality if you want it. Leaving doesn't mean your life or your relationship with God is over. Life is actually a lot better on the other side. I sincerely hope you find that. This story was read and written by McKenna Moore. She's a content strategist and stand-up comedian living in Brooklyn. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter at at McKenna P. Moore. And remember to follow Trials in My Era. We're on TikTok and Instagram. 
I'll be posting this story among others on our reels and our TikTok page. So you definitely are going to want to check it out. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week. Talk soon.